Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Forever. Dog. Listeners, welcome to Relatively Healthy. I'm Janie Stoller, and today we are talking about organ transplants and organ donors. And I am so pleased to bring on one of my favorite people, Jesse Galley, who I met at the UCB a million years ago. He's a funny, wonderful, awesome person. And after getting to know him, I learned that he was the recipient of a heart transplant. And I think he's great evidence of the life you can live after you've received a, uh, an organ and proof that uh, organ donation is a very important and special thing. So I hope you like it. Today on Relatively Healthy, I'm joined by one of my favorite people. And it's weird because he's a straight man. And that's really rare for me. I mean, we have producer (laughs) Brett, who's another icon, John Legend, Barack Obama. It's such a short list. And Jesse is definitely on that list. Jesse, hello. Hi, Janie. Hi. How does it feel to be on the list? Uh, It feels good to be on the list. Good, good. So, Jesse, I'm having you on the show today because not only are you one of my favorite people, but um, I've known you for a while now. And it wasn't until maybe a few months into being your friend, that I found out that you had had a heart transplant and there was no way to know. It was sort of this thing where I was like, oh, you've been living this life and you have this story. And I think uh, a lot of people don't know that the people in their lives could have had organ transplants. And secondly, I get really pissed off when people say they're not registered to donate their organs. <laughs> so I thought this would be a very good uh, topic for today's show. So thank you so much for being on. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here. So to start off, can you tell us a bit about your health story? So what was your health like and your relationship to your body growing up and what happened? <laughs> What was my relationship to my body growing yeah, up? Yeah, specifically funny, during puberty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess very broadly speaking, so I didn't have any um, pre-existing conditions. I was very healthy growing up. I was very active. I was, I played a lot of sports. Um, you know, I'm the youngest of four boys. All three of my older brothers played sports. So like, it was just kind of part of the deal. Like I, you know, it was part of the deal. Um so growing up, I just, it was just, I didn't really think about it. It was just, I was active. I was, I played baseball. I, I, I played basketball. I played football. I was, you know, that's just kind of how my life was growing up. Um, and then, uh, you know, so that was, I guess my, I think, you know, my relationship with my body growing up was, and I, and I was pretty, and I was, I won most athletic in, uh, in eighth grade. Hell yeah. But I was at, Yeah. Um, I wasn't like the best athlete, but I was, I was decent, but I was, uh, like, that sounds really bad, um, to say that, but no, uh, anyway, so yeah, so I, I didn't have any, I, I grew up very healthy. I, I had nothing wrong with me. Um, and then, uh, what, what was the second, say again, the second thing. So what happened? Cause I, I remember you telling me the story that it, like your health stuff kind of started out of nowhere. Yeah. So, um, again, so I grew up this, like a, with no, basically, physically no, no issues. Um, I went away to, 
to my freshman year of college. So I grew up in Pennsylvania, uh, on the eastern side of Pennsylvania. I went to Pittsburgh for my freshman year of college. Um, and then I came back that summer um, after the freshman year. And, you know, sort of a long story short, I just, I started, I was, I was feeling sick. I was like very short of breath. And um, I remember like taking like this random trip to Montreal with a couple of my close friends that summer. Uh, and it got, to the, like, I just, I was really sick, but I didn't know how sick I was. Um, like we, I remember being in Montreal and like, um, like my friend, like I couldn't walk a block without being out of breath. Mm. Um, I just, I just was very sick. I was, I don't want to get too graphic about it, but the, I, it, it was nothing like I've, I've ever felt before. Um, like my friend, I was like on my friend's back. He was like walking me like box. It was like this thing, but, mm. but because I was so healthy and so active and, and I'd never had anything wrong with me growing up, it was just, I wasn't really paying attention about it. And I was 19 at the time, you know, I was at my freshman year of college. So I was this, you know, this young person who, you know, was getting ready to go live in my first apartment, you know, after, you know, once the, the second year started of college. Um, but it turned out that I was in heart failure, and, but I, and I had no idea. So I, I was a bit naive and I, I let, I didn't let things go too long, but, uh, I just, I had trouble sleeping. I, I couldn't, again, I was just, I was very sick and I, I, I was having trouble breathing. Ultimately I, I went to the emergency room um, and the doctor, after they ran a bunch of tests, they, they took an x-ray of my chest and my, my heart was like size of like a, a grapefruit or something. Oh my God. Um, and then they called the on, on-call cardiologist. They came in and they were like, you're in heart failure. Your, your heart is functioning at, less than 10% mm. of its capacity, which is obviously not a very good thing. So I was not in good shape at the time. Wow. And then I literally found myself in a hospital in Philadelphia uh, the next day being put on the, the transplant waiting list. So it was really, it was very quickly that I, um, um, my, my life changed very quickly. Wow. That's like essentially over, overnight. Like I knew I was not feeling well, but I just remember to just like, oh, we have to put him on the transplant list. That's insane. And, uh, yeah, it was tough. Because I can imagine, I mean, like you were saying, a healthy person walking around, you get the flu. Okay, sure, I can shake it off and sure, I'm really sick, but whatever. And then it just got to that point and no one thinks they're going to have to deal with this. This is totally crazy. So what is it? what does it mean to be on the transplant list? Like, how does that, how do they explain it to you when they're telling you that? Well, I mean, I think in in some ways I I benefited by being so young and mm-hmm. and, and and the fact that I didn't have like some yeah, excuse me a like congenital issue or like that I had this thing with me with my entire life the fact that it happened so fast and like that almost in a way helped me because it, it kind of like forced me to like get in the situation very quickly mm-hmm. um, and to kind of adapt very quickly. Uh, and I, I think that was really helpful. I, it, so being on the waiting list, I mean, it, it's so, I, I didn't know, like I had, I knew nothing about this. Like I was, yes, I had my driver's license. I was always, I, I put organ donor on my driver's license. That was essentially like all I knew about organ donation. Mm-hmm. It's like when I was 16, when I got my driver's license, that's what I, that's what I put on. Um, so it was just, because it happened so quickly, I was so naive and it, it almost, it, it was almost better that way. Does right. that make sense? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that, that makes does. Sense. That does. I think people who understand how long those lists can be and the complications that can go into being a recipient, it can be horrible. So it sounds like not knowing all of those details was actually psychologically beneficial at the time. Yeah. And uh, well, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, so what happened, like, basically an unknown virus attacked my heart and mm-hmm. destroyed some of the muscle tissue. That's, it's called, I had, it's called a viral cardiomyopathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can happen to no anyone, right? Sure. Uh, sorry? It could happen to anyone? It could happen to anyone. Yeah. So, and, and no one can be sure when or where I got the virus. I mean, but ultimately I needed a heart transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of returning to college, you know, I I, I found myself in this hospital hooked up to a bunch of monitors in the cardiac care unit. Um, and 
just waiting. Then that's when I got to kind of digest things more. Like once I started waiting for the fact that I needed to wait for the transplant. Um, so the initial thing was like a shock and I was kind of forced in the situation to think about things that, um, I think most people don't until later in life, but, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, the waiting game, you know, is not that I didn't even mean to reference the, the waiting game, but um, that's when I kind of started to think about things more. And how long were, how long was that phase? How long were you waiting? So I was very lucky and I, very lucky. I, I didn't wait that long. And there's, a, there's different factors that go into that. Um, and I will say that like my own experience is it's really like everyone has their own experience in terms of transplantation. So other, other recipients are going to say different things or wait different times. So I, this is really just true to me, uh, and my personal experience. I, uh, I had a rare blood type, which is, which, which is a factor in terms of, of how you get matched, um, how sick I was at the time. So, I mean, a lot of these, these, at these bioethical questions in terms of like who, how you allocate organs and things are, it's very interesting things, which is, you know, I know this is like a short podcast or a shortish podcast, but um, I um, I was lucky. I, I was only in in the hospital for uh, for a few months. A few so months. So actually, so what today is August nineteenth. Mm-hmm. So this time, um, seventeen, almost eighteen years ago. So this uh, August fifth was the day that I went into the hospital to wait for, and got put on the transplant list. Are you serious? So this time. Yeah. This yeah. So when when you asked me to be on this podcast, yeah, I, I realized that when we were, I was like, this is I, I at this time at that point I was waiting for a heart transplant. Wow. I was sitting in a hospital, and I literally wow. couldn't leave the hospital until I I received the transplant. I mean, you're saying only a few months, and it's so much longer for a lot of people. But that still sounds like such a long time to not know what's going to happen and to just sit in the hospital, especially you're a 19 year old. And your whole life is just turned upside down all of a sudden. That feels like forever. Yeah. Um, again, I, I, going back to this, the fact that it was like very sudden, I think helped me. Mm-hmm. And I was naively just kind of knew that I would, I, I had this weird gut thing that I was like, oh, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get a heart. Like mm-hmm. it's going to happen. And I'm, I'm going to get, I just, I just really wanted to get back to the normalcy of life. I wanted to get back to the life that I thought I was going to live. Like I just, I just kind of knew it was going to happen. And like, yeah. that was naive. And like, it's not true for a lot of people because a lot of people like, unfortunately don't make it to that. Um, but for me, I just, I just knew that was going to happen. So maybe I was tricking myself. Um, but I was very positive and confident that I was going to get a heart, which, you know, thank, thankfully I did. Yeah. Do you remember the day they told you they had a match and that you were getting the transplant? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, I, I, you know, so, I mean, I, I, I could, there could be a whole podcast, I think, just about my experience waiting in the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, for this. And things have changed. This was, again, so September 8th is the anniversary of my, uh, of my, you know, my second birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that, that time waiting was, was very interesting. And, you know, I had a roommate and I was by far the youngest person. I was in the adult wing, even though you know, I was 19 and I, but I was, you know, most of the people were like older men who kind of, you know, maybe abused their lives a little bit too much uh, and mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I, they, they referred to me as the kid, you know, in, in the wing. And so it was that, that whole experience was very interesting. Because mm-hmm. um, the whole wing but, is people waiting for organs? At the time. So again, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I don't want to, I'm not an expert of, of how things are now. Mm-hmm. So I just want to, again, want to speak to how it was when I was there. So because of how sick I was, like I needed to be in the hospital. So I was what they call like a one A. So again, my heart was functioning less than ten percent. Um, I was dying. I was about. I was. I needed a. I was at the top of the list. Let's just say that. So I needed. I needed a, a heart. Very. I needed a heart. Mm-hmm. Um, or it was. Or I was going to die. Um, so, uh, and I knew that, and they were very. You know, and my family knew that. And my friends knew that. And, it was in, in many ways more difficult on the people around me than it was on me. I think in many ways mm-hmm. I did have, a, I did have a very, what was interesting is like the day before I actually had my heart, I finally had sort of uh, lack of a better word, like a breakdown. I, I was, I had a roommate who was an older man in his fifties. Um, and I kind of, I went to the bat. I was started, I got very overwhelmed, but I, 
we went into the bathroom and I kind of had a, I was just, I went into the hospital bathroom break that. Just like, I, it's, just, it's it. This is, like, yeah. It, it all kind of like hit me. It finally hit me. Mm-hmm. Like I was, you know, had a chance to kind of digest things and it hit me. Um, and then a dear friend of mine, uh, you know, came down. So her birthday, September 7th, uh, came down on her birthday and I, this is a true story. And, uh, when she was leaving, cause like, you know, after visiting hours, like they let it fly. They let you stay a little bit later, you know, for people who were like, I was living and basically living in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, I said to her, I was like, you know, for your birthday, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get a new heart. Um, so she went home that night and, um, then around 11 o'clock I was sitting in my bed and, uh, you know, one of the doctors came and was like, there's a heart available for you. Please, you know, call your, call your parents and tell them to come down. Wow. And, and like, you have to be in the operating room in 45 minutes. <gasps> essentially. What happened. 45 like, minutes. Okay. Wow. And I was like, okay. And I was like, that, that, that's the crazy thing is like, you're waiting and waiting. Oh my and there's God. People who, at the time when I was there who were waiting like months and months, like, you know, like nine months. And I, that's what I mean. Like, you know, I, I was very lucky. I didn't have to wait that long. Wow. Um, and, uh, so just like, that's like, Hey, there's a heart, like you need to go down. And, and you don't like, even have time to like digest that. that. You, you just got to go. Know, yeah. Like, because you don't know. Right. Right. So like, un- you know, unfortunately, you know, with, for, you can't be a living donor and give someone a heart, right? Right. So someone, someone dies and you're going to ultimately benefit from that generous gift. Yeah. So I, I call my parents who live like, who live like an hour, like a little over an hour from the, from the hospital and they sped down. They did make it there. Like as I was getting like wheeled into the operating room. So I did get to like, you know, say hello to them. Oh my God. Um, I was very like drugged up at the time. I'm sure. I can't imagine um, what they were going through. I can't even imagine that. That's what I, it was. I, again, I think it was probably much, much harder on them than yeah. it was on me. Yeah. Um, cause they gave you like, they gave me like sedatives and things like that to, to relax me. So I was like cracking jokes, like on the way down. <laughs> a very special thing too, though, because everyone at the time, um, this was happening, you know, there was all these other people who were waiting. So it was this really special thing. Like once, mm-hmm. you know, someone got the call as you were get, coming out, all the other people who were waiting would come out of like, they would wake everybody up mm-hmm. or depending on when it was. And like they, so they came around me and they, you know, they, they said a prayer around me and like, it was just a very touching, very touching thing. Um, and I went down and I was like, I mean, I was like, hopefully I, not to be weird or real, but I was like, hopefully I wake up. You know? Right. Right. Um, so obviously things went well, the surgery went well. Um, How long, I so had a wonderful match. They, yeah. they do the, so the, like you were saying, the organ has to be new. So they get the organ, they take it out, and immediately they do the surgery. How, like, it just feels like there's a lot of, it's a race against the clock, that whole procedure. And then how, so how long did it take? Do you remember, like, how long you were under and how long the procedure was? So, again, it's really dependent on the person, on the situation. Again, I was very lucky. From what I recall, I I think it was, mine was about six hours long. Wow. Because... Actually, not that bad. I think mm-hmm. uh, I'm not a surgeon. I'm not a, a doctor, for the record. Mm, I know, but like I think about all the complications and all the little pieces of a heart. I'm like, I don't fucking know how well, you do yeah, that. You know what? There's, you know, from what I, from my understanding, there's actually other heart surgeries that are, are much more um, intricate and much more difficult than, than a heart transplant. Oh. Um, you know, they, they, again, I was young and they, they kept it very simple for me. They're like. Yeah, you know, it's like we pop one out, we pop a new one in, you know, it's just a kind of very... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, <laughs> I love that pop out and pop in as the terminology in the and, medical and you, have, you also have to remember, like, don't forget, like I was 19 at the time. And right. I didn't have any other things going on. So my body was very healthy. Like right. even while I was waiting for the heart, 
I was doing like physical therapy. I was, I would ride a bike. I, I would do laps around like the hospital wing. Like I was as much as I, as my body would let me do it, but I, mm-hmm. there was nothing else wrong with my, I was healthy otherwise. Yeah. So like youth definitely is a factor. So in terms of like, I think how well the surgery goes mm-hmm. and also how well you bounce back from the recovery. That makes sense. So if you have other things happening or if you have other issues going on, it's going to make things more complicated. The fact that I was 19 and in good shape otherwise, like really the only thing that was wrong with me is my heart was was screwed up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was a huge benefit to me uh, wow. in terms of how well I did. And then do you remember when you woke up? Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. I remember, I, I remember when I woke up, which is so, it's so insane. Um, I mean, the whole thing is insane. It's uh, insane. And oh, God, God bless my friend. Uh, who's, he was one of my closest friends. And two of my friends had come to visit me, not knowing this was going to happen. <laughs> Cause you don't know. That's the thing is like, you just, no one knows like you're, you're wait as you're waiting, like you have no idea when it's going to happen. Right. Like, yeah. It's this weird thing. Like it, and like, there's this weird morbid thing. It's like when, like, certain holidays come around when people like drive more and mm-hmm. that, like you kind of like have these weird dark thoughts in your head. It's like, Oh, there's more accidents during Labor Day. Like maybe I'll get it. Um, mm-hmm. maybe I'll get a chance. But anyway, my, my friends, they came up, but they, they just happened to like randomly come the day that it got it. They were like, I'm sure totally freaked out. Uh, but I remember waking up and I'm being like, Oh, okay. Um, uh, all right. I'm, I'm alive. And, um, but I was like hooked up to, all kinds of things. And, uh, you know, I had a, you know, there was a tube, tubes everywhere. I couldn't really talk. I, I don't want to get too, you know, granular about the details, but, um, I was just like, okay, I'm alive. Like, like the, at least the surgery worked. So like, that's one step. Mm -hmm. And then that's not, what's weird too, is like, that's not the end, right? I mean, once you've had the transplant, then you start a whole new life like there's a whole new chapter that begins at that point right yeah i mean that is you know arguably like the the the, the fulcrum of of my life at mm-hmm. that point right when i when i had a transplant and what's funny is, is when you know we talked about doing this this podcast or when you invited me to, to be on the podcast is i just realized that i've spent essentially half of my life now as a transplant recipient wow so, so I was 19 at the time. I, my 18th second birthday again in September. I I turned 38 in November. So like most, so basically half of my life is has been as a recipient. Wow. And, um, yeah. So there's you. It's something that I had to learn on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, it was helpful to have people come and talk to me and like other people who have had transplants and that was nice. But I. I really think for me, it just, it was something that I had to go through on my own and experience, um, you know, in terms of the, the initial acute recovery, which is the most important part. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously many things can go wrong. Uh, you're, it's someone else's heart that's going into your body. Uh, so there's definitely complications. So the follow up, And so I was in the hospital 10 for, for 10 days after the transplant. And then I got discharged what um to to my parents yeah which is like again very quick i got very yeah lucky. I wow i don't want to say this is like necessarily the norm maybe it is i don't know i but that's just um, crazy too to think about all the months you all the time you spent in the hospital you have the heart and then 10 days later it's like you now you're back in the world that's crazy yeah so i mean back but i mean like but you're following up every week uh, you know you get biopsies to make so uh, mm-hmm. make sure your, your heart's you're, you're not rejecting the heart and things like that um, but yeah, so like you spend this time waiting, then you get it. And like, it's a whole other thing. So you, it's, it's also like mixed emotions. So you're very happy to like receive a heart, but then like you, you also think about, you know, this person who, who died, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it's just, it's, it's a very weird time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so happy to just be out of the hospital, just be at home. I was so happy to like, not have to piss in a bottle. Sorry. <laughs> Like, I just, like, I can actually go to the, like, when I got home, it was very nice to just be in a normal bathroom, like, be in my actual bed, have, like, my my pillows around. Like, you know, it was just, I was just so happy to just, again, like, my whole goal was just get back into my normal life. And that's the whole point. Like, mm-hmm. it, it works. And I just wanted to get back into, uh, 
my normal life. That's so, yeah. like, one, it sounds so trivial, but like I, I, I just said, like the fact that I could go home and like just go to the bathroom in, in a toilet instead of like going in a bottle to see like how much water I was or how mm-hmm. much things, how much fluid I was re- retaining, like this little dumb stuff like that. I was just very happy to be, be home. Yeah. Um, and, and very lucky again to not have the complications that some people do have. Yeah. So then you were going and you were getting biopsies and you were getting tests consistently. But what did they tell you for like long term in terms of what to expect and the kind of care you'd have to take for your heart and for yourself that were different than before? Um, it's, 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 a, it's a really great question. It's, it's, I, you know, for me initially, again, this is 18 years ago at this point, or almost 18 years ago. I, for me, I was just happy to be, I was like, okay, if I get to five years, that's great. Like, you know, am I on borrowed time? Like, and then like I hit five years and I was like, then I hit 10 years and I had like my 15th anniversary. Then, you know, like in September, only 18 years, it was, you, you just don't know. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you don't know. And like, there's, there's advancements that I'm, I'm forever grateful that I, I'm alive in a time like when this can exist. Yeah. So if I had the same thing happen to me, like in the seventies or like early eighties, like I'd be dead. So like the fact that this happened to me then and the drugs that are, are available and, the, and the, the surgical techniques that are available to, to keep me alive. I was very, very lucky that, you know, in, in with modern medicine that to help me uh, to, to be alive, to be honest. Yeah. So in terms of long-term, so no one knows, even to this day, I, I don't know. I mean, Jane, do you know how long, like, how long do you think you're going to live? Like, Not I don't long. Know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, right. it, there's, yes. But I have you this still thing consistently that, go to the doctor, right? Like, this is something yes, that yes, you, yes, there's people yes. that you go to and they tell you right now, this is what things are looking like. Like, for the rest of your life, you will do that. And do you take medicine, yes. too? Yeah. So I take, I take the medicine is my lifeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take anti rejection medicine, um, uh, every day, twice a day. Um, it keeps me alive. Um, if I stop taking that medication, I would die. That's so crazy right. so, to like, imagine that 18 you're, you're, this organ has been in your body for 18 years and that you still need to take medicine. I mean, that just says so much about how the human body works that you still need to take anti rejection medicine every day. That's crazy. For the rest of my life. For the rest of your life. For the life. rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, it's, I, the dosages have lessened and like the amount of drugs that I've taken or that I take ha- has lessened over the years because I've done well and my, you know, my body has been, has gotten, you know, has adjusted more to the transplant, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know my body probably much more than I would have if I, if it's anatomy, arguably, I mean, who knows, but I, I like to think that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do have to take medicine um, twice a day and it sort of tricks your body into thinking that it's it's your own heart. And uh, and there's complications that come from the medicines. I mean, like, that's 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 other things, you know. So I'm technically, you know, I'm a, immunosuppressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my immune system is not like yours. Actually, I, I don't know. Maybe you, other people have other immune system issues. But so I'm. Again, like initially, like you're way more your immune system is more way more suppressed, and it's 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 much more uh, acute initially. You know, now it's not as you know. Again, as it's 18 years, so I'm on less drugs, but I still am more susceptible to getting like different, you know, getting colds, or maybe like a cold will last a little bit longer for me than they maybe would for you. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, transplant uh, recipients are more prone to developing certain types of cancer, like basal cell carcinoma, like certain uh, skin cancers or things like that. So there are things that I, you know, or there's, there's side effects to the drugs that I take, I guess, is, a, you mm-hmm. know, is what I will say. Uh, yeah. And just being more cautious. And I remember too, you told me a story not to name names, but we were on an improv team together and I think someone like <laughs> yeah. jumped on you and you didn't say anything, but like it, it sounded from the way you told the story, like people shouldn't be jumping on you. <laughs> not to name no, people names. Can say- no, 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 no. They they said that. Like this person oh, in the audience. Oh, said, they they heard and then were like, "Oh shoot, no, I should." People can jump on me all they want. That's it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, so that's I mean, good. I don't want to be jumped on. But I, I, you know, <laughs> first of all, that was a great scene. I will say. 
<laughs> worth it, um, whatever the consequence. Okay, so just yeah. I'm glad we cleared so that up. A really deep dive into like a specific improv scene from a show from like ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about all like all of our old improv scenes. People love it, even oh, if Jesus. they just happen. Um, They're so interesting. Um, okay, so I'm glad we set the record straight. People should jump on you. Um, so <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. That, people, well, I guess the other thing I want to say is like. Everything that I should do, other than like taking these like specific my my specific medication or like my follow up routine with my doctor, is um, is like anything anyone should do. Like, right, like not, not eat fried either. food like, all I the make time. Mistakes, like yeah. I, I mean, I never. I I'm very very vigilant um, with my my medication routine, and I'm also like more vigilant with probably what my body than some people probably think. But I, but things that I do, like you, like everybody should do. Like it's just eating healthy, like exercising, like it's, it's just stuff like everyone should do. It's right. Not, you know what I mean? Not to make, like simplify things too much, but that's really, the, that's the truth. Yeah. Just being, trying to live a healthy life and not yeah. smoke and just, you know, the stuff everyone should do. It makes sense. So yeah, so that, that will help my life. So I, my rule was always like, I'll do what my doctors tell me. Yes. I, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. You can jump on me. I guess is the is the, <laughs> it's the conclusion. You can title the you can title the podcast that you can jump on me. You can jump on me. Um, so for the you mentioned that it's weird. I'd imagine it's weird with the donor and knowing that this person died and you have their organ. I'm sure there's so many feelings and thoughts that go into that. What options do they give you for either knowing? about the donor or knowing about their family or being in touch? Like, how does, how does that work? So it's a very anonymous thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I think for obvious reasons. Um, so when I, when I received the transplant, I was told very, you know, you're told very little. Um, it's kept very anonymous. Uh, you know, I know very, very basic details about the situation. Um, and then you can, there's, they have these, what's called organ uh, procurement agencies, uh, or, or, or I'm sorry, organizations around the country, like each region has their own, there's national one as well, who are responsible for allocating organ, uh, organ transplants. Um, and working with them, you can write, they help facilitate uh, kind of connections between recipients and the donor families. So I, you know, was very, and, and still forever, grateful and thankful for the second chance of life, um, write letters to my donor family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I've, and I've written many letters over the years, uh, but both parties have to agree to meet in order for that to happen. Mm. Um, yeah. and in my specific situation, I, you know, it's, it just, we have never met. Mm-hmm. Um, we have never met. I mean, I'd imagine, does it, how does it feel to write those letters? Like, do you feel, I mean, you must feel gratitude, but does it make you feel good to know this person's life has this, you know, carries on this extra sort of life, you know, beyond their death? Like, I'd imagine there's responsibility or feeling of responsibility in that and privilege. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the hardest things that I struggle with, I think, is the, is I, I don't know if it's an actual thing. I, I use I use the phrase like transplant uh, transplant recipient guilt. Like mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. Like I got the second chance at life. I'm not doing everything that I can to you know to do it. You know I'm not I'm not like being this and that. I'm like doing all these amazing things. Um, it's but I also think that like I I, I opted into living a life that not necessarily defined by my transplant and I. I just, I've, I've done lots of things and I've, you know, traveled and for me, it's just living a normal life and like just doing the things, like doing the normal things that anyone would do is, I would like to think that, that my donor or my donor family would like that. Yeah. Also, so like, you're doing I, more like than write, normal, but we don't have to get into that. You know, because it's been so long for me and I, again, get back into the, like the repetitiveness of normalcy of life. I just that's when I feel I get this like guilt, but then it's like, no, that's like, that's part of like normal life. Like that's what, that's what life is. And like, if I, you know, I'd like to think that donor families may be like, and I don't, 
want that, you know, like you just, mm-hmm. so uh, this heart has been with me, you know, for it's, you know, for 18 years and, you know, a couple, a few days ago, I just got back from, you know, Paris and London. I was, at, I was, at a, I went to a wedding, I gave a toast at a wedding in London to a friend that I met doing a study abroad. After, this all happened after I had the transplant. Wow. You know, like, like that, yes, I've made mistakes and I've done, and things, you know, other things happen and I get caught up with like the dumb stuff of life, but I'm also like, this heart is coming with me and doing all and traveling with me and like doing all these things that this person who preciously gave me this gift, unfortunately didn't get a chance to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I, I don't even know if I answered your question. No, I, that I'm definitely, sorry, that definitely answers it. I would, I mean, also like not to talk too much about your life, but you do lead an extraordinary life and you're a really good person and you help people. So I think, you know, it's one thing if you like, you know, you're, you're living your, I am not going to say it as well as you just did. And it's also your own experience, but I just don't think you live a simple, normal life. I think you live a great one. Um, anyway, (laughs) uh, but (laughs) do you hear, so do you hear from them too? I don't. Yeah. Which is totally fine. Yeah. I just can't even, Um, I mean, like it must in your, what in your mind, you just live your life and it, and it honors them. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Yeah. It makes, I I like to write, you know, I, and I don't write as, as much as I probably should, but I, I, you know, I'm, I can't imagine what they went through. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I, I'm on the opposite eyes. It's, it's again, going back to that, like that, like when we were talking about, like when it initially happened, like, you know, the day after, or like someone just like their loved one just died. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so this is the 18th anniversary coming up in September of, of my transplant. But on the other hand, like that's the 18th anniversary of, of someone's passing. Right. So yeah. it's this weird, um, dichotomy. Is that, does that work? Is that yeah. where it works? Is that yeah. A, it's weird though, I, because I think a lot of times, I guess when there's an anniversary of a death too on the other side, not to say how these people feel, but I know you wonder, am I doing enough to honor their legacy? Am I, you know, what part of them lives on and what's, you know, what's, what exists past the death. And then to think about their organ, literally giving someone else life and the thing that gave them life, giving someone else a chance at life, I'd imagine is it gives a lot of meaning to their life. 18 years later, because I just think like, I mean, not uh, we're getting into it now, but like, I don't understand why people aren't organ donors. It's so easy to do. And you can enable people to live wonderful, healthy, normal lives versus having your organs, you know, rot. Like, I don't get it. But it just feels like after someone dies, there's a lot of questions of like, what do I carry on? What's the meaning? What is this? It just feels like such an easy way to ensure that at least some part of you will have a positive effect on the people who are alive. Listen, yeah, it's it's very it's very sad. So, the, so I, I didn't. I don't think it's like oh, someone has to die for me to live, right? Like mm-hmm. I didn't. It's like they're. I'm not trying to be. I mean, to be kind of like logical about it, like they're going to die anyway, right? right? Right. So like, you're like, you're going to die. Like, why not? Like me personally, and this is no knock to anybody or what other people's beliefs. It's, it's, it's an organ, it's tissue. Like you can, it's the, it's one of the easiest things you can do to save a life. And like, what's greater than saving a life? Like, you know, that's, it transcends like, or like, and it sounds so kind of cheesy, but like it, on the inside, like we're kind of all the same. So it, it, it transcends race, religion, like gender, you know, like you can, uh, man, I could have a female. Like it's, it's, it doesn't matter. Like all that doesn't matter. It's you're, mm-hmm. you're saving someone's life. You, unfortunately there's a tragedy and then, but somebody else can benefit from this tragedy. Yeah. And, especially and be, go on yeah. to do and go on to live a normal and healthy and, and, and wonderful life. Like it's just an amazing thing. and. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I know that I, that's exactly what I wanted to hear your opinion on. Because I, I guess in the 
if an if an organ is viable for transplant, that means it's likely not someone who, you know, died at 90. That's like the reality is that it's someone who has a healthy enough organ to be uh, transplanted. So what a horrible thing that that person passed away. But what a small, incredibly powerful thing to be an organ donor and then know that there's a part of your tissue that can do what you were just saying, help someone live a normal life. So, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I guess. It's, it's I, I, amazing. Yeah. Like maybe it's I also. Mean, I wish, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Jenny. Go oh, ahead. I was, gonna, I just was thinking, I mean, I think sometimes it's just psychological. People are freaked out by the idea of checking organ donor on their driver's license because it's like they're thinking about death, but I think they need to get over it. Uh, I think they do too. I yeah. mean, I, I personally think it should be an opt-out situation, which is not the case in the United States. Yeah, like, I think in some countries like it's opt-out. In Europe, it's like, it's like, you know, I know in the UK, it's like, like it's, again, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't want to like, please don't like, hold me up as an expert and all this stuff, but um, it, it's, yeah, it, there, there's a lot of myths out there about organ donation. It, um, and, and, and you said like, if you're not, like, I, I will say, one takeaway is like, if you think you're too old or if you think you're, you're not eligible to be like, like, please stop. Like anyone, just please register, um, to become an organ donor. Like and no matter if you think you are eligible or not, like I think right. everyone should just do it and also talk to your family about it. Cause I think that's important as well because ultimately your next of kin can make the final decision. So I think it's not only registering to become an organ donor, but also talking to your family about it. And I, I, you know, you're talking about this, I think before we, we maybe were rolling, but it's some, like, I think those you, people need to inspire you to make those decisions sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if this conversation or if another story that you're reading out there, like, hopefully that will just inspire you people to just register to become an organ donor, talk to your family about it. Like, it's very simple. It's very easy. It's, you can help people. You say you can save a life. You can save, you can a save life. lives, not even one life. You yeah. can save multiple lives. And I also, to clarify too, I think something you were saying is like, I think there's a lot of misinformation about it. I think sometimes people think it's the same as donating your body to science, which is a completely different thing. Um, and I think people have weird ideas about what happens when you sign up to be an organ donor. It's pretty fucking normal and like there's no weird i mean there's a really good book about donating your body to science which is a whole other thing it's called um stiff by mary roach but it is not that um just to clarify and yes like you were saying they can take multiple organs so if you are like oh i have a bad whatever the doctors are qualified to figure out if there's an organ that's viable and um let them make that decision for you yes there's there's a lot that goes there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes no one's you know no one's like harvesting your organs so like you know it's, it's not it's crazy like yeah you think about like, like all I, of the I mean, steps you had to go like, through to get are, an organ i mean it's not like this is a willy-nilly like you know they're they're making very sound decisions here about what organs they're taking no, every, the, the transplant team is totally separate than the team that is trying to save your life like god forbid you get into an accident or you know, you overdose on something, you know, like the team, like people, like they're trying to save your life. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in, in the intensive care unit, like someone is trying to save your life. Yeah. The transplant team is like, they're a different team. You right. know, it's, um, and the, the, well, an interesting fact for me is that like most people who, who do die, like, like are not suitable, you know, suitable for organ donation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can still donate like bone and skin and, and like, Corneas, that's other things to remember. Like, it's not just about um, solid organs, like, you know, kidneys, liver, you know, heart, lung, uh, you know, pain, you know, et cetera. It's, you can donate your skin, you can donate your bone. Like, it's, every myth is like essentially dispelled, mm-hmm. you know, that people have about organ donation. Yeah. What are some of the uh, things you hear? Like, what are the, the, the like stupid things that people say to you or informa- misinformation you hear? Um, I, I think people, I mean, if, people i mean this, this stuff that i hear i I'm, i've been i don't hear that many stupid things i will say uh people are again i kind of hinted at it earlier like their soul or something you know it's, oh yeah again, that's stuff it's it's tissue it's an organ it's tissue 
yeah, like it, no matter if, and I'm not asking any, like if whether you're religious, spiritual, or or agnostic or atheist, when it doesn't like it's it's irrelevant to organ transplant. Mm-hmm. Like most all major religions, if you go on any like website and like uh, you know reputable uh, organ uh, procurement agency website or a national transplant website, and it'll tell you like all major religions are in favor of, of organ donation because, because again, because you're saving someone's life. Yeah. Uh, for me, the, yeah. So it, it weird things that I hear are, I don't, I don't hear that many weird things for me. Like if I tell someone that I had a, if it comes up in conversation naturally, it's, it's more of like, Oh, there's surprise that, that, that happened to me. I think people actually, they don't ask this to me, but they'll, they'll probably wonder about life expectancy. Mm. Um, you know, like, but no one's going to be like, oh, how long are you going to live? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, some idiot might say that to me, but like, in general, I bet you that's a thing people think. Mm-hmm. Um, like limitations, uh, like things like that. But I, I don't, I don't get a lot of the questions about the myths anymore. I think at this point, uh, you know, thankfully, most people in, in the U.S. are pro-organ donation, but nevertheless, uh, they still they're not like registered to be organ donors, which is, which is the problem. Yeah. Um, So I think most adults support organ donation, but um, you know, I'm actually in front of a computer now here. So like 95% of us adults support organ donation, but only 54% are actually signed up as as donors. Whoa. That's crazy. Um, And it's probably also from people who don't even know they're not registered. Like the same way people don't know they're registered to vote. I feel like people just wouldn't. Maybe yeah, would well, be surprised. Again, well, it's like you, you, the time, like when you, it's like when you go and renew your license. It's like somebody at the DMV is like, "Do you want to be an organ donor?" Like, is that that's probably like the one time that a lot of people like only know, you know, mm-hmm. no one's thinking about it. So um, again, I hope hopefully people will will register or or think about it. And, yeah, and you can um, do it because, online. Yeah. Like, if you're not sure if you or you don't have a driver's license, you can just go online. There's a government website that'll take you to your specific state, I believe. If you just Google organ donation, I'm not going to like, you know, talk down to you and give you the URL because I also don't know it. But if you just Google it, you truly can register online. It's super easy. I hope people will. You've done done far more research than I have. I just know that you can Google it. (laughs) So I'm happy to share that information with everybody. It's so helpful. No, it's super easy. Um, It's very easy. But I, I mean, again... As we're laughing, I'm saying 20 people die each day waiting for a transplant. That's but it's, crazy. It's, not funny. it's I, not funny. It's crazy. 20 people crazy. die just waiting. And there's so many. Listen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not scared of dying, but I don't want to die. Like, you know. No. I mean, it's crazy. Um, yeah. And I also think you brought another, up a really yeah. good point, like talking with your family members, because that's such a stressful time. And if someone, you know, the doctor runs up and you're, God forbid, you're in the hospital and you can't speak for yourself and you're going or you just went and the doctor's like, okay, well, are they, you know, you don't want to like have to make a scramble decision or an ethical or spiritual one on the, in the moment. So like, let people know what you want uh, when you're alive makes it easier. Yeah. That that makes it easier. And I, I I don't mean to make light of this at all. And I, I do, you know, obviously we, we know each other through comedy and like, I I like to joke around and we like to joke around, but yeah, it's, it's very, that time it's, it's such a, it's such a, a crazy, interesting, like fascinating, like tragic time, like for both, like the, when the transplant happens, like when like someone's saving someone's life. So you have this team who's like, who's again, an intensive care unit, like trying to save somebody's life. Ultimately they become brain death or, or whatnot. And then, you know, the transplant team comes in. It's, it's just this amazing, beautiful thing. But at the same time, this family's all like is approached to make this decision because time is of the essence you know um it's gotten better like they've been able to preserve organs longer like you know over the years but it's this crazy situation it's so it's so crazy even after you know almost 18 years it's so crazy to me and so fascinating and interesting and so um and so remarkable it's, it's just a beautiful thing that's amazing i am so glad you shared your story i think people uh don't hear enough stories like this day to day or honestly ever like I don't know who's telling stories like this but um you don't hear a lot of them you know there's a lot of I think like I feel like I don't walk around hearing about it's just not one of those like popular causes I don't know why 
feels like it should be. You know, yeah, and I, it's not a popular cause. It's not yeah. like, but it's it affects everyone. Yeah. Like it's, again, I think it's it's not just it's not like a singular population that it affects. Yeah. Um, and it's also just again, it's just saving a life. Like it's saving so it, to me, it just seems so simple and so easy. And it's but you know, honestly, it is one of those things that you know, until it happens to you or someone you know, like you honestly. You might not think about it. And that was my case. Mm-hmm. I was always registered as an organ donor, which I think I mentioned, but um, it, it obviously hit home to me when I when I got sick. Um, but uh, and it, this stupid like anecdote too. Like one of my roommates in, in college, I just thinking about this, uh, who has been who was very supportive of me um, early on. Got a, he he got a, he had a hair transplant. Well, he had a hair transplant. Like, he had a hair transplant when we were in college as roommates, and he used to, and he used to try and like claim that like he's like, hey, we we're both uh, part of the you know we're both at Stanford. Like I'm like I'm like you're not part of the team. I'm like you're not on the team. This is a true story. I swear to God. I'm like you're not on the team. I'm like you're not on the team. Oh God! Like, yeah, like you just because you like went bald really young doesn't oh mean you and like decide to get a tra- like a hair transplant aren't hair transplants from your own body yeah it's so crazy they take it from your neck and like they put it but it was like but it was like this really funny joke I'm like you're not part of the team that is so funny oh my god like, sometimes we'd like be sitting like watching TV as roommates like he kind of like sort of looking at him like you're not part of the team I'm like you're not part of the team <laughs> Oh my god, that's so funny! True story. Also, True good for story. him. Get that hair transplant in college. Go for it, young. <laughs> Just gotta like get ahead yeah, of it, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, he, yeah. <laughs> Wonder how um, it looks now. He's bald. <laughs> <laughs> he's bald. Of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, I'm crying. Oh my God, Jesse, thank you for, you know, we're going to wrap up. And that's truly the kind of note this podcast has to end on. And also, just a <laughs> reminder, everyone, register, make sure you register and have the conversations with your family. Make sure that they register. And um, yeah, any other parting words of wisdom <laughs> after that? <laughs> um, thanks, Jamie, so much. I, I, I miss you. This podcast is great. Uh, thanks for Thank thanks you. So much for I miss you so it. much. Thank you um, for being on. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.